This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your host, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer, Gabrielle Tayak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. Good evening, you are on the Glow Show Joy 94.9. I'm Will and joined by my or our favourite crime fighter, Gabby. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy but sad at the same time. Why are you sad? I'm happy and excited because we've got a really good guest in. I but know. I'm sad because it's our last show for four months, I think it is, until we're back in December. We're, but we will be back. We will be back. I know, they want us back. Everyone wants us back. Well, you're you're getting over a cold. I'm getting a cold. We need a break. I do. And and I, I'm off to Europe as well, so uh, looking forward to getting into some warm weather and going to stop in Doha. I know, I'm going to stop in Doha on the way home, so going to soak up some 47-degree heat and get out of this cold. And, Ugh, yeah, Too hot. But... Tonight. But, yes, tonight. We have a really special guest, one of my favourite commissioners, but all my commissioners are favourites. <laughs> it's Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius. Luke, welcome to the Glow Show. Yeah, good evening, Will, and good evening to your listeners. And hi, Gabby. Hi again. So last time we had you in, you were in charge of the Varioc area, which is the Victorian Equal Opportunity Human Rights Commission, the report that um, Victoria Police teamed up with them to do. But you've got a new position, but we'll talk about that a bit later. Because that's some exciting news. That is very exciting news. But I think we need to get back to talking about Varioc. It is important. And uh, I, I really take my hat off to the police for doing this report. Um, it's it, Obviously, if anyone knows what the Varioc report is, it's basically a survey that was done within the Victorian police. Uh, I would call it a health check. That might be the way to put it. Uh, to see where internally they stand, where it comes to certain issues. And obviously, the LGBTI community is an issue. So, Luke, you able to talk a little bit more about some of the results and findings of this report, which was very important. Yeah, sure, Will. Um, there are actually uh, two reports we can talk about. Yep. Uh, so uh, one was the ongoing work that we had with Varioc, which will culminate with their publication of their final report into their work with us, and that's being published on the 21st of August of this year, so uh, just on a month away. And, uh, of course, there was also a, a very specific report which was focused on the lived experience of our LGBTI officers within Victoria. Victoria Police. And both reports, in fact, were, um, with respect, Will, a a hell of a lot more than just a health check. Um, In a very real sense, it's been a reality check for us in relation to how policing has traditionally, uh, and uh, up to the date of those reviews, uh, have treated uh, both women and LGBTI employees within policing. And the, the reality check for us was absolutely a wake-up call. 
in terms of understanding the lived experience of both uh, uh, female uh, females, women within our organisation and also in particular LGBTI employees within policing uh, and the awful truths that were disclosed to us in terms of the lived experience which was drawn not just from the survey, confidential survey of all of our staff but also from the stories uh, that uh, uh, were to- shared with us very courageously by both women and LGBTI employees um, who shared their stories with us of of many years uh, of uh, uh, mistreatment, discrimination uh, and indeed uh, in some cases uh, appalling conduct and treatment uh, at the hands of their their colleagues. Uh, And so for us, yeah, health check a small part of it but absolutely a reality check, absolutely a call to action and our focus over the last three years has been very much on challenging ourselves about what can we do as an organisation um, to treat all of our employees, irrespective of sexual orientation or gender, with dignity and respect, and move to being an organisation which places equality at the heart of everything we do. Now that's excellent because, and one of the one of the things I like about this is that you're not scared to actually perform this reality check, uh, or what do we want to call it, health check, reality check. Um, I think every organisation should do that. What, When it came out, what I, what I got from a lot of people was like, oh, you know, same old problems with the police, you know, they're always like this, they've always been like this, there's nothing different. And I went, no, look, put, put the brakes on a little bit. And I went, went and put it into a little bit of perspective for them. And, and I said, I've read a lot of the results of the report. And I work for a, a major airline, which is considered to be extremely LGBTI friendly and accepting. But when I was reading the report coming from the departments that I, I, I'm involved in, I read exactly the same experiences. And I just sort of turned around and said, this is reality in the greater world. And the fact that the Victorian police are, are being on the front foot and doing this report and putting their hand up to the community and saying, this is what we have done and this is what we have found and this is what we are doing about it. And that's where I really like to take my hats off to you all. And that's, that is the truth. There's a lot of synergy across the community, whether it's police or whether it's other organisations. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for those observations. I, uh, I've had cause over the last three years um, to reflect on my policing career and reflect with my colleagues uh, their policing career as well. Actually, uh, tomorrow I celebrate 30 years in policing. But uh, Congratulations. <laughs> that's another story. But I, I guess in reflecting over my lived experience of policing over 30 years, one thing that I would really call out in terms of our response to this review and our work with Veroc over the last three and a half years has been that instead of us as policing uh, uh, ripping the band-aid off and doing the immediate leap to action Mm. um, and, you know, rush around doing stuff, um, uh, we've actually taken the time over the last three and a half years to uh, learn, listen, reflect and consider what do we need to do to support the very deep cultural change that's required to make a very real difference in policing and in my 30 years of experience in policing I have to say 
that is the biggest difference in terms of our approach with this piece of work. So we've spent three and a half years challenging ourselves and thinking about what we need to change in ourselves and in our organisation, in our structures, our policies and our practice. But also we're committing to another two, three years of dedicated work in this space following the publication of the final report in August. So this is a change process which isn't being done in five minutes. We're committing to this being a a five to six year piece of work and on top of that are probably another three years of embedding it. And so although I've moved on from that role uh, into the North West, Commander Lisa Hardiman uh, is is now taking on that role as the Acting Assistant Commissioner and this is a piece of work that will continue to be led by an Assistant Commissioner over the next uh, two to three years and that is very much a reflection of the significance that Victoria Police continues to place on this piece of work. You're on the Glow Show, join 94.9 with Gabby and Will and we have Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius in the studio tonight. We've just been talking about the Varioc report, some of the results and the challenges that the Victorian police face with uh, with this. Now, Luke, you just mentioned before you've been promoted to Assistant Commissioner of Northwest Metro, is that correct? Would it be a promotion? or Look, I, I, I regard any opportunity to, to work in ops as a promotion, if you like. Yeah. Um, you can't put on the blue shirt um, and, and not be passionate about working directly with the community to help communities be safer uh, and, and more respectful. And... Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm actually the longest serving assistant commissioner in Victoria Police. So for me, it's not a, not a, a change in level, but it's, it's a move to a new role. And uh, for me, coming into North West Metro, there's a real opportunity to work with the community to make the community safer mm-hmm. through, my, through the work of my people. And I'm very glad to have Gabby now on my squad. Excellent. Um, but, uh, the, Luke is my new boss. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the other piece, for me is there's a real opportunity for me through Northwest with my people to put in practice um, all of the things that I have been focusing on and espousing and seeking to provide leadership on over the last three and a half years. So what's some of the challenges that you see coming into the Northwest region that stand out that we need to, to focus on and talk about? Uh, look, I think the, the, the biggest piece um, is that, uh, uh, and again, this is a reflection of the work I've been doing over the last three and a half years, yeah. um, recognising that gender inequality lies at the heart of violence against women, and that is the primary driver of, of violence against women and children in their homes and on our streets. Um, I think that's the key insight that comes has come to me from the work that I've been doing in the past three and a half years. So what does that look like from a policing perspective? If through our work on addressing gender inequality and discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation within our organisation, if as a result of that work we actually change the thinking and attitudes of all of our members in relation to putting themselves in the shoes of victims of sexualised violence and discrimination, uh, then that will necessarily uh, improve uh, our support for the women and children in our community who most need it. Uh, And so 
what we're looking for in having done this work with Veriog is not only to get, if you like, our own backyard in order, but it's absolutely about fitting us to better serve the community and indeed fitting us to better serve the women and children who are at most risk of, of the, the most harmful forms of abuse and of violence in our community. And uh, that is just a critical piece for us. It's highlighting how many changes that we're undergoing in Victoria Police. And I was in a a forum yesterday about LGBTI perpetrators of family violence. Um, And and we've switched the way we look at family violence in in as much as we we are trying to assist perpetrators and get them into assistance and help and try to um, stop the cycle of violence. And looking at gender inequality is a big part of that. So if we, instead of just looking at victims of family violence and getting them the help they need, which we still have to do, it's the perpetrators that we're focusing on just as much now to try to prevent that violence from continuing. No, fascinating stuff. Uh, you're on the Glow Show Joy 94.9. We have uh, Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius in the studio tonight. So stay tuned uh, for some more. Uh, you're on Joy 94.9. You're listening to the Glow Show on Joy. Back soon. Your community is our business. Joy 94.9. Welcome back. This is The Glow Show on Joy. We're back on The Glow Show, final episode for this grid. For this grid, yeah, but we'll be back soon, Fia. And we're ending with a bang. We are. We've got Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius, and we've been talking about the Veriac Report and some of the findings of that and how we're changing how we police and how we look after each other in in the organisation. We've been talking about um, Luke in his new role as the Assistant Commissioner of North West Metro, which is fantastic, my new boss. And there's a whole bunch of other things we really want to have a chat with you about. Um... For drug driving, for yeah, one thing, is a, a massive focus at the moment. And I know, Will, you were really um, blown away when Beck Lawther from our Highway Patrol office was talking to us a while back. Yeah, I'm not too sure of the, the exact statistics, but it, it was very perplexing at the time and, and very frightening. And she said that for every one drunk driver or alcohol-inflicted driver she charged, she charged four drug drivers. And if I was to ever guess, I thought it would have been the other way around. But it was a really frightening realisation of how big the problem is. I'm not too sure if you know the statistic is exactly what they are now. And that would just be her experience. That was her experience. And we don't see on the television, you know, we see a lot of don't drink, drive and so on and so forth, but we don't see as much drug driving. So I'd say this is... Correct me if I'm wrong, is this a new challenge or is, and obviously this is a challenge that you you all have to deal with now? Yeah, well, this is a huge challenge, not only for police, but for the, the whole community. Yeah. And um, this, uh, this is a piece where the numbers are really scaring us. Uh, so, for example, when I was talking to our road policing inspector the other day uh, and working through our lives lost and the reasons that lie behind it, um, we've reached a point now where just under one in every 10 drivers that we test at random drug side, uh, roadside drug testing sites, just under one in 10 drivers have drugs in their system. 
Wow. And, uh, so, and so, you, how many how well, many alcohol are positive for every ones you test? Well, we're now finding. So, of course, speed is is the biggest factor yeah. in in serious injuries and and road deaths. Um, uh, and then um, it's it's typically been been alcohol uh, has been the other big factor. But we're now getting to a point where uh, drug uh, affected driving uh, will overtake alcohol. Both in terms of uh, detections, but also in terms of finding drugs in people's system where they've they've um, uh, been involved in a serious injury collision, or or indeed uh, um, a victim of a fatal uh, of a fatal uh, road uh, incident. Now, why or what is your feeling of how why this has evolved to this situation and become such a problem? Well, what? look, uh, we'll. Um, this is absolutely about community attitude and mm-hmm. driver behaviour. Uh, if I reflect on our our journey with the community in relation to wearing seatbelts or indeed uh, um, uh, alcohol affected driving, it took us thirty years, yeah. thirty years to get to a point where the community widely accepted that uh, drink driving was socially unacceptable, yeah. and that if you've had a drink, you should not hop behind the wheel. We cannot afford to spend another 30 years for the community to come to the same realisation in relation to drug-affected driving. Can you imagine how many lives will be lost if it takes us 30 years to fix this? And the only way ultimately we can fix this is not just through increased enforcement, but it's absolutely about the community taking ownership of their responsibility that if you do take drugs, and I won't get into the rights or wrongs of that, but Mm. if you do take drugs... Don't get behind the wheel uh, because you're the last... If you're on drugs, you're the last person on earth who's in a position to assess whether you're capable of driving. Uh, And uh, if you can't think about yourself, absolutely think about your family and think about other road users. Because what that stat means is that if you're driving down the Monash or or the Western Highway or East Link or wherever, just think... One in every 10 of the vehicles you see on that road is being driven by someone who's under the influence of drugs. Drug affected. That is horrifying. It is horrifying. It's very frightening. And with each life lost, there's a whole family affected. A whole multitude of people are affected by that life lost. And And, and we're finding that the lives lost this year is hugely increased on last year. We were celebrating last year because it was one Mm -hmm. of the lowest road tolls and lives lost we had had. And it's increased so much. So we've, we do have to take responsibility. Each person take their own responsibility. If you're getting behind a wheel, make sure you haven't had any drugs. And not just recently, in the last day or so, because they can affect you. And, and the other thing too is days. when an accident happens and you have someone killed, uh, behind that there's usually a lot more people that are injured for life and they carry the scars for life mm. and their family carry the scars for life. And also on the Glow Show, you know, we, we don't want to sit here and... Um, preach to you what you should and shouldn't do but what we do encourage you to do is talk about it with your family and your friends and I think when it comes to drug issues um, you know look out for your mates talk about it with your mates and you know really got each other's back you know and I think that's the important thing to do is to talk about it and if you're a passenger yeah take control of the situation don't choose to get into a car that's being driven by someone who you think's on drugs because your life isn't worth it no exactly You're listening to The Glow Show with Will and Gabby and we're talking with Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius about lives lost on the road. A lot of it's due to use of drugs, but there's also um, a big issue in relation to drug use in general, not just on the roads. 
Yeah, look, um, we we know from uh, not only um, our own police activities, and of course, drug users and drug, drug dealers don't come to us and tell us that they're they're doing doing that because of course it's illegal. So our de- our detection of drug use in the community by and large is down to the work that we do. Mm. Um, but uh, the other piece is uh, the the roadside drug testing, but also wastewater analysis. Um, so uh, we actually have people who, who look at um, the, the level of drugs that go into our sewerage um, really? through wastewater, and that tells us that drug use is prevalent right across our community, uh, whether it's in our cities or in rural Victoria. Um, and again, this comes down to community attitude, and it comes down to, I think, the community appreciating the very real harms that flow from drug use, whether it's so-called soft drugs, yeah. uh, cannabis, uh, through to, of course, the what you, if you might characterise as being the harder forms of drugs. But mm. we see on our streets, in family homes, um, uh, right across our community, the impact of that level of prevalence of drug use. And uh, uh, while, of course, we have a job to do in terms of keeping the community safe and keeping the community safe from the impacts of others who use drugs, the key piece is ultimately, I think it comes down to the community taking ownership uh, of this issue. Hmm. Now, Luke, um, before we let you go tonight, there's just something else I'd like to just quickly discuss, probably more for a reassurance to my community than, than anything else. And we, we just went through, obviously, we all remember last year the marriage equality debate, uh, which was quite stressful for my community and even myself at the time. Uh, now we're seeing in the political spectrum, we're now seeing the debate of uh, religious freedoms uh, it's making the news. And one of the things that I felt and experienced during the marriage equality debate was that it felt the other people on the other side, it felt like it gave them the license to be discriminative and to be to be nasty and horrible. And it was very hurtful at the time. And now we're looking at seeing this happening again with the religious uh, freedoms. freedoms debates, which are now going to be running through our parliament again. Um, what? How, how do you feel about this situation at the moment? Well, look, of course, uh, as as with any any debate, we would hope that it's conducted respectfully yep. uh, and with consideration for everyone who's engaged in the debate. But as was with the as was the case with the marriage equality debate, uh, from a Victoria Police perspective, we were very concerned uh, about the the impact that that would have. Uh, not only on the LGBTI community, but on the community more generally. Uh, and uh, it is our experience when these sorts of debates are active in our community that we do see a rise in vilification. Um, we do see a rise in, in hate speech. Uh, we do see a rise in um, a, a lack of respect. Mm. Um, and uh, so within the context of the religious freedom piece, uh, of course there's a risk that um, uh, we might find in particular the LGBTI community being targeted. the target yeah. of, of that sort of hate speech, that sort of vilification. And so, of course, uh, our call to the community at large is be respectful, uh, treat one another with the dignity and respect that we all ought to be afforded because we're all human beings. But on top of that, I want to be very clear that Victoria Police um, is absolutely committed uh, to supporting 
uh, our community and in particular supporting the LGBTI community where its members are the subject of vilification and hate speech. And so we do have very particular laws in our state uh, which do allow us to hold people to account for vilification and hate speech. And uh, so we in Victoria Police, of course, are very keen to hear about those incidents uh, and uh, members of the LGBTI community should uh, absolutely feel confident that if they are the subject of that hate speech, they have the opportunity to reach out to the Victoria Police um, and uh, uh, particularly if it involves uh, an immediate threat to, to your safety, call triple zero. Uh, otherwise, of course, reach out to a GLOW, uh, one of our uh, um, uh, liaison officers, uh, or the other piece is go into your local police station mm-hmm. uh, and flag it. And, you know, th- this sort of hate speech and vilification, it's what we call a crime against the person. Yep. And so um, the key piece there is we're, we're very keen to hear from people directly if they're on the receiving end of that sort of behaviour. Thanks, sir. And I know we're running out of time, but the, the last point you wanted to make was about the new police assistance line and online reporting. Yeah, so um, you might have seen the ads. Um, if you need police without the lights and sirens, mm-hmm. uh, use uh, the police assistance line or use the online reporting piece. I just want to stress that if you do need a police attendance, if you do need the lights and sirens for your piece, safety, yep. for your safety or, or the safety of others, yep. absolutely call triple zero. That needs to be your first port of call. Um, but if you need police assistance in relation to, if you like, more routine matters, or, or matters which won't have require the immediate attendance of police, then we have both the police assistance line, which is 131444, um, or we also have the online reporting tool, which is available on our website. Uh, and these, uh, these are for people to come to us and report to us, if you like, um, theft, yep. um, uh, property damage, uh, lost property or general police inquiries, uh, and, and so yeah. So, suspicious. for example, if you've got an insurance claim, um, and and you need within that context to uh, report a theft, um, then you'd you'd use that facility. But I want to stress if it's in relation to crime against the person, an assault or a robbery yep. or an ag burg, um, then of course ring triple zero. Traditional policing. Yep. Luke, thank you so much for coming in tonight. Sorry, before we go, can yeah. I embarrass Gabby? <laughs> go um, for it. <laughs> yes. I just, I just want to congratulate Gabby. She's been nominated for an Excellence in Policing Award at the Australian Council of Women in Policing in September. Gabby, good on you. Oh, thanks. We, uh, we must go. Thank you, Luke, thank you so much for coming in tonight. We hope to see you again in the new grid. Yep, pleasure. We will be back in summer. And thanks for listening to The Glow Show. Thank you for all your support. Thanks to Pete Holmes, our major our, our podcaster, and uh, Jack Trainor for our technical support. And, yes, we will be taking the grid off. We'll see you in summer. You've been listening to The Glow Show on Joy 94.9. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make the Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tyak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy.
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.